This episode is brought to you by Nature Street LLC, a premium all-natural CBD company with the goal of giving people an all-natural alternative that can help get through the rigors of daily life. They aim to provide 100% all-natural, pesticide-free CBD and hemp products that soothe the soul. Nature Street is a trusted resource for your CBD journey. Your mindset is their priority. Be sure you check out the description box for a link to their website where you can get some of their amazing all-natural products. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another great episode of Diary of a Mad Black Man. I got a special guest with me again today. Uh, he goes by the name of Handsome Will, a.k.a. Chili Will, a.k.a. something, something else. Uh, he got a nice little flow to his intro, so I ain't going to butcher his stuff up like that. So, Will, what's going on, brother? Let the people know who you are. What's up? What's up? It's, it's your guy, handsome guy named William, a.k.a. Mr. Whiptastic, a.k.a. Billy Saturday, a.k.a. Mr. Chicks Feel My Kicks Like They What? Pregnant. Tell <laughs> me. I'm the host of Black Love Renaissance Podcast. I'm changing the narrative, restoring the feeling, one relationship at a time, streaming weekly on all major platforms, and the little ones, too. No hate, no... I, I, give, I, I give it out to everybody. Yeah, yeah. See, I, see, I told y'all. That's why I, it's, it's a tough act to follow, my man. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, uh, so for those of y'all listening, um, you, by the time this airs, y'all gonna know this. We, we record, what's today's date? Y'all know Diary, uh, August 25th, Tuesday, August 25th is 9.19 p.m. Um, by the time this airs, we're gonna be live. We're gonna be in probably a couple weeks in the business. Right. Uh, Will's one of my executives for the company. Right. Uh, we've been working together since since May. Um, just really just building through the, through the midst of everything. It's been one of the, he's been one of the guys who has kept me level-headed. Will don't say, <laughs> Will gonna say the shit that most motherfuckers probably scared to say. And that's why I fucks with Will because he, he keeps it real. So um, before we get into all that, we're gonna, we gonna obviously talk about all that, but I really want to also use this opportunity, Will, to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, maybe a little more on an intimate level, ask you some questions. Um, we've talked a lot off mic already for those of y'all listening, but um, we're going to flow with it. So where, where were you born for those of y'all that, that, for the people that don't know? Born in Baltimore, Maryland, still here too. Still there. So you born and raised, always been there. Uh, what is something you think that is keeping you there? Um, Actually, my, my youngest daughter, I wouldn't say my oldest because she's 20. So my youngest is 14. So by her still, you know, she about to go to high school. Mm. So she got enough to deal with that transition, especially now through the, the pandemic and all that. So uh, it's an extra major transition for her. So to try to uproot her, you know what I'm saying? She got to learn a whole new culture, make new friends and everything. Mm. And she's going to be missing like most of her family because her, her mother's side is bigger than my side. So her family really is on her mother's side. So she will miss like all of them. So, you know, basically that's really the only thing keeping me here, to be honest with you. Oh, that's real. That's real. Um, but let's take it, let's take it a little bit back. Tell me about your childhood and how you grew up. What was it like growing up in Baltimore? Growing up in Baltimore, it was fun. Like it was actually fun. Like two parent yeah. household. So I can't really say the, you know, I I ate uh syrup sandwiches. Like I don't have that story. Like I actually came mm-hmm. from a normal nuclear family like i literally ate dinner at the dinner table watching tv with my family you get what i'm saying mm-hmm. but then when it was like i went outside it was a whole nother story like literally all of my friends came from single parent households but growing up we didn't know the difference it was just like one of them might have one toy i might have the other you know what i'm saying we all mm-hmm. had video games so if i didn't have a game one of them had the game so it was like we really just had fun, like really staying outside. The street lights came on. We all congregated at somebody's front. At least one parent knew where all the kids were, and we was all good. We ran up and down the block all day. We played in the street, threw rocks, rode bikes. You know what I'm saying? And then it was like once in the middle school, beginning of high school, it was it, it, we grew up real fast. It was like once we got that first bag of weed to sell, childhood was over. Hmm. What made you um what made you grab that bag of weed and start selling? Like how well, it wasn't necessarily me per se. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it wasn't oh, necessarily yeah. me. But it was like one of the homeboys. He found out, like, yo, we can get money, we can do more stuff. Just all we gotta do is grab this weed and sell it. And I'm like, dude, I went to high school at 13. 
like I was bonafide 13 years old. So my mentality wasn't ready to switch over yet. So it's like, I'm still in the house playing with toys, but then I'm going to high school in a couple months. And they're like, yo, that you want to sell weed? Like, yo, I still want to play, ride bikes and stuff like that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like, I guess, I guess looking from his, his point of view was single mother, yo got five sisters, you know what I'm saying? He was literally the only man in the house. Mm. Yo, I got to grow up fast. So it was kind of like we split off just a little bit, but we still remain friends to this day. So that's probably, so you're talking about with somebody you were close with growing up. Yeah. So you think that this person influenced your life? Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every everybody I hang with influences me. That's why I hang with them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, at certain points in life, yes, I let the wrong people influence me, but it was it was it was all a learning lesson. You know what I'm saying? And how many you, you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I had well, I had four. One passed away. Uh matter of fact, he passed away two months before I went to high school. Like literally, like exactly to the date almost. And uh, I got two sisters. Okay. So then, so I'm curious, like, it seems like you had a pretty uh, picture-perfect household growing up. What, um, and you're saying, like, when you transitioned to high school, like, your friends started selling weed. What, what made you transition to start doing the same thing, like, doing the same thing with him? Um, Just the, just the fast money, just the allure of it, just to have cash mm-hmm. in your pocket. Even though I got lunch money every day to go to school, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it was like, it's cool with this money you gave me for school. But what about after school when I'm chilling, hanging out, trying to get girls and I got to feed myself? So it was like, yo, let's let's make a couple extra dollars. You know what I'm saying? Got you. And so and so when you in high school, what was your high school years like? Oh, it was wild. Like, I honestly, to be, be honest with you, like I wasn't the man in high school. I wasn't. I wasn't like, I was really just like a fly on the ball in high school for most of high school. Mm-hmm. I just sat back and observed because, so basically what how Baltimore works is, I don't know, I mean, it might go for everywhere, but we got zone schools. So if you live in a certain neighborhood, you're automatically going to this one school. Mm-hmm. So I had gotten a lot of trouble in sixth grade because I had always went, I never went to school with any of my friends that I grew up with. I've never sat in a classroom except until the end of high school. So my parents would always try to keep me away from like once they, they always wanted me out the neighborhood, but in the, they wanted me to live here. They wanted me to go venture out of the neighborhood. So they always sent me to different schools. So sixth grade, I got in a lot of trouble because it was like, I don't know none of these people. I'm in a different neighborhood. Like Baltimore was really like areas. That was like, that was our gangs. We ain't had bloods, crips back in the day. We had neighborhoods. So my neighborhood was Poplar Grove. You know what I'm saying? I went to school with a whole bunch of Park Heights dudes. So they had their own little thing going on. So to impress them, I would just do what they do and get in trouble and all that. So I got sent to private school for seventh and eighth grade. So eighth grade, I was supposed to take the, it was a, it's a specific test you take to see what high school you can go to outside of your zone. Mm. I never got a chance to take this, the, the test. So they was like, all right, well, you're just going to go to zone school for like half a year, take the test, and then we're going to transfer you out. But then somewhere along the lines, I never took the test. So I had to go to his own school, which was like the second worst high school in Baltimore City. And it was just wild. I'm talking about fights, drugs, anything you can think of, like the TV high schools. Like the, the <laughs> oh, really? Like metal detectors going in and dogs coming in and stuff like that. That's the only thing we didn't have was metal detectors. But other than that, like, yeah, them high schools, like uh, what's that? Lean on me. That was my yeah. high school. That was literally my high school. I mean, I had a dude in 11th. No, he was in 12th grade. Yo, was 22. Yes. Yes. And he looked 22. I mean, this dude was like 6'7". <laughs> he was like 195. <laughs> drove to school. I'm like, yo, this is wild. Yo, so being in that environment, um, like, because I'm thinking about my high school years, you know, I actually moved around quite a bit myself. I started high school. So I moved to Memphis when I was 10. Okay. Born born in Chicago area, moved to Memphis when I was 10 and stayed in Memphis till I was like 15, 16. My mama kicked me out, moved me to central Illinois. Mm -hmm. 
And so I spent the first part of my high school years in Memphis going to Cordova High, it's a suburb. So it wasn't actually in the city of Memphis, it was a suburb, but it was very similar to, I'm not going to say similar to your experience, because it was in, in a suburban area where people had money and shit like that. But it seemed like when people came to school, they wanted to be like, they made the school want to feel like, like they was fighting shooting blowing blowing up the fucking principal's office and type shit you know what i'm saying so it was more like and that's why i always try to tell people that just because i lived in the suburbs or just because i've always moved around in the suburbs don't mean i didn't see or experience some shit because right. it was hood niggas coming to the suburbs when it was time for a fight to go down you knew at 3 15 they was gonna swarm the parking lot you know everybody from orange mound frazier coming out to the suburbs because they cousin and called them from cordova to come out here type shit you know what i'm saying so Right, right. I can definitely get get relate to that experience, but I want to understand like how how that influenced your life after high school. Like, what was it like for like your senior year preparing for graduation when most people was talking about going to college and all this kind of stuff? All right, so so through technically three and a half years there because I got kicked out in twelfth grade. Luckily, it actually saved my life. So wait, whoa, whoa, whoa pause. Why you get kicked out of high school, bro? So. When I tell a story, everybody be like, you got kicked out for that? So I didn't, I never, I, I never had one fight my whole four years, well, three and a half years there. So mm -hmm. I was just a smart ass dude. Like I was, I was, even when I was like, I'm, I was always smart. Even when I didn't know shit, I was never dumb. You get what I'm saying? I might go over here a little bit. You might have to think about that. But <laughs> <laughs> so they were always trying to enforce these dress codes on us. And they had, cause, Baltimore had a big thing about sweatpants back in the day. I don't know what it was, but you know what I'm saying? Everybody wanted to go to school comfortable. So they were saying you couldn't have sweatpants if it had elastic at the ankles. So I went out and searched. I went mall to mall. It took me like three weeks to find some sweatpants that didn't have elastic at the bottom. It was just like, like kind of like jeans. They just fell at the bottom. Mm -hmm. I went to school one day. They're like, oh, you can't come in here with that. I'm like, nah, it's in, your, it's in the rule book. They're like, what a rule book? I was like, oh, I got y'all. I reached in my book bag. My fucking book wasn't in there. I was like, oh, shit. I Because I would always carry like three different book bags. It depended on what I was what I was going to get into that day or after school is how I would prepare for school. Like, I would never prepare for school. It's always what's after school. So that one day, I didn't take the right book bag that had the damn book in it. So then I'm like, I'm asking everybody like, yo, where your, where your, where your rule book at? Where your rule book at? Everybody like, yo, I ain't got mine. So I'm like, no, nah, yo, just somebody go get the rule book from me. So I'm asking the teachers and they are like job shitting on me. Like, now you supposed to have it. It's your rule book. I'm like, yo. So I just start zapping. I mean, I'm cussing teachers out. I'm getting in their face. I'm, Motherfucker, don't be talking. Da, 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 da. Next thing that was like, yeah, you got to go, dude. I was just, I was zapping, yo. Cause I, cause I knew I was right. And they was trying to shit on me and I don't like being played with. That's my thing. So, so I said all that to say. <laughs> so back to the three and a half years there. Like I say, Baltimore was always split into neighborhoods. So yeah. the average zone school may have like two big neighborhoods and then like a couple small ones. Like how many people in the high school you think? Oh man, it was at least two thousand. Yeah, because they would always tell us two thousand people would always start the school year. As as freshmen and graduation would be like maybe 140. Damn. Yeah, it was serious. Damn. Yeah, yeah. So, like I say, the average school had like two big neighborhoods and a couple small little little joints. Like my school had at least eight or nine neighborhoods in it. Mm. So you gotta think that's eight or nine clicks walking through there. And these motherfuckers got problems from the 60s. Like, that shit is generational. You get what I'm saying? And yeah. some of these neighborhoods are split by one fucking street. Like, that's how that you cross the street. You're in a whole new neighborhood. You got problems. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, so for some reason, a lot of people from my, my neighborhood didn't go there. For, I don't know why. I just, so it, it was like, I don't have a click to roll with. So mm -hmm. I got a low. So I was, I was literally terrified my first couple months in school because I was 13 years old with a child's mentality and there's all these big ass grown ass like I'm not a big dude yo you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. and I didn't really start coming into my height until like 10th grade so I'm walking around little with shit like yo I'm terrified so I just stayed to myself and then people would just see me chilling 
and just start talking to me. And the next thing you know, I'm getting cool with people. I'm just telling jokes and shit. Everybody laughing. A couple girls start talking to me. I'm like, oh, all right, cool, cool, cool. So as time rolled on, I rolled into a clique that was comprised of every neighborhood. It was at least one of us from every neighborhood. So that just gave us carte blanche to do whatever we wanted because nobody was going to mess with us because we was neutral. It showed everybody, yo, this clique of nine dudes is neutral because you fuck mm-hmm. with one of them, you're going to have a problem with them and their, their, their neighborhood they're associated with. So for like the, the last two and a half, well, at the end of 10th grade, 11, so 11th and 12th, half of 12th, we was just, just running wild doing whatever we wanted. You know what I'm saying? Nobody will fuck with us. We ain't getting no beefs. I mean, we had like internal conflicts. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. other than that, it, 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 it kept me cool. It, it really showed me how to, it, it allowed me to open up because I didn't have to be scared anymore. Like I didn't have to be mm-hmm. worried about getting jumped. You know what I'm saying? Because you will get your ass smashed Man. up Southwestern. Easy. Right. Easy. <laughs> I did not. It, it just made me think about some of the fights I should see go down at Cordova, and like I, I got into a fight in high school, and I got my ass whooped. Like Buddy and his cousins jumped me, you know what I'm saying? But I could just remember like watching the fights happen, like and just being right. like, "Yo, like it's really like a full on riot after math class." Like, <laughs> right? Going on? Like I just and so it seems it seems like a lot of times. This is stuff that people don't talk about when we talk about education. You know what I'm saying? How right. they may fuck with somebody mentally and how they may not even be able to see past that environment to want to do something with their life afterwards. You know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily about like, yeah, it is about your home life and where you come from and your upbringing. But like the environments inside these schools just be. And it's Baltimore. So like the way you described it just sound like off the chain, which I'm pretty sure it was. So. After high school, when you after you got kicked out, what's happening? So I went what's to night school. Doing? So luckily, when I got kicked out, I only needed two credits to graduate. Like, cause the, my my whole twelfth grade year, my after my first semester, you know, it was four semesters. After my mm. first semester, I had all the credits I needed, except for two. And then when I came around the second semester, I didn't get them again. And I'm like, yo, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't even care. Like, I would leave at like one o'clock every day. <laughs> like I was done. That was the end of my school day. Cause I didn't, I didn't, I had to wait for my credits to come. So once I got kicked out, I only needed two credits. And then luckily, the the school I transferred over to, my father pulled some strings with a couple people. He talked to some people. And actually the principal that kicked me out talked to another principal. He was like, Look, man, I hate to do it to you, but I'm gonna look out for you. Cause I was like, he he looked over my transcript, was like, yo, you only need two credits to graduate. I mean, I got to do what I got to do. But at the same time, I hate for you to have to start 12th year over again to get two credits and then have to sit and do nothing until graduation. So he pulled some strings. They got together, pulled some strings for me. So the night school dude, he actually taught one of the credits. So when I got there, I talked to him like, yeah, man, I appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? Bringing me in and like the last minute, blah, blah, blah. He was looking at my paperwork like, oh, you need both credits. I was like, yeah. He was like. I'm going to do you a solid. He was like, if you show up every day and you get at least a B, I'll give you both credits and let, and I'll make sure you walk across the stage for graduation. I'm like, shit, a B? <laughs> I had a B plus by the time I was done because I didn't know nobody. Like, I was in a whole new school, whole new neighborhoods, I, but I did luck up and I knew I, the one dude, I went to uh, elementary school with him. So for like a week, every day he would just stare at me. And I'm like, yo, what's up with this dude, yo? I'm like, yo, I'm here to try to get my work done. So I put him to the side and they're like, yo, what's up with you? Yo, like, yo, my name Will. Yo, what's up? Yo, he like, I thought that was you. Yo, it's Joshua. Yo, you remember me? Yo, I used to live on such and such. I was like, yo, I was like, I was like, <laughs> like I was literally about to steal this dude because he just kept looking at me. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't, I ain't really no fighting dude. But at the same time, certain environments, you, you, you gotta, you gotta be thorough. You gotta be tough. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So at that point, I graduated. What is that? June. Two months later, my, my first daughter was born. I'm still 17. Fresh out of high school with a kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Ter- Once again, terrified. <laughs> wow. So what was it like? Um, so what was the first couple years of fatherhood like for you at a young age? Um, it was terrifying. 
And at the same time, it was like I was trying to live life. I was trying to still grow up. Like I was trying to transition out of high school. Like my mentality was still high school. Like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? But I just didn't have to do no schoolwork. So it was like, fuck all the girls you can, have fun, and just chill out. You know what I'm saying? So it was like I was trying to balance all that. And at the same token, like I was trying to go to school too. That wasn't gonna work. Then I caught this little phony weed charge. And I got a public defender, which I shouldn't have did. I should have just spent the fucking money and got the goddamn lawyer. So I wind up getting probation before judgment, but my probation was three years long, which was the dumbest shit possible. Because if I'd have just took the damn time, I'd have did like four months. How much you get caught with? A fucking bag, dude. Like a dime bag, a legit damn and a half of weed, yo. Three years probation for that? Yes. Public defender. Fucking public defender, yo. <laughs> Dude. I was I I wouldn't I only think I yeah, I was eight, I just turned 18. So that that summer after because my birthday is in the end of December. So yeah, I turned 18 and I was working there. Yeah, yeah, to like beginning of that summer, the next summer, 2001. Mm. Got that charge. I was like, shit. So I had to lay low with that. So that was like a whole nother thing. So then, okay, so now you like eight. So you like eighteen. You're on probation. You got a baby. Your baby's like what, two, three years old at this time? Nah, she wasn't even one yet. <laughs> she was born in August. So I graduated June. She was born in August. I turned eighteen that December, and then that that next following summer. So around like around Juneish, that's when I caught the charge. Mm. Okay. And I lost my job because I got caught at work. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> yeah, yo, that shit was crazy, yo. I used to work I used at, to get farms. Caught at work, bro. So I worked at Rural Farms. I used to work the night shift. So basically, the rule was two per shift. So the uh, so they had me working with this older lady, yo. She gave me hella wisdom. Like I, I learned so much from her old ass, yo. Like she was real cool, but she just she treated me like a, like a grandson for real. But then she had got sick, so she was like, "Yo, I'm not coming back no more. Like, I can't do it. I need to. I need to have a regular schedule, and I need to sleep." So she left, and they just left me by myself. So I would call up the homeboys, "Yo, yo, come through. Yo, bring some weed, and I feed you. It's Royal Farms. You feel me? We got chicken. Like, <laughs> what? You feel me? So they would come up there like every night. I had one homeboy. He stayed like maybe eight or nine blocks away." So yo would just catch a cab up there, and when I got off, I would just drive him home, and then I would go home and go to sleep. And he would just chill. We'd smoke, we'd sit out there, smoke some weed because it was like I was right in between the city county, so it was like nothing was going on. It was like traffic, but it wasn't enough for people to stop and come in there. So like from two o'clock, especially during the week, from like two to four thirty, it yeah, was overnight. Yeah, it was twenty four hours. So I worked the late shift, eleven to seven in the morning, and during the week. People wouldn't start coming in to about 4 35 o'clock to get their coffee and keep it rolling. So they would come up there and smoke. So the one dude, he got the beefing with his peoples or something. So yo just came through. I ain't even know. So yo pull up. And the whole time, I'm not paying it no mind that the car had pulled in and just sat there. So what they did was because they did put somebody with me. And and, it, and it's crazy. Like I, When I tell a story, people don't believe me, but this is how it happened. So me and the girl, a little young girl, we working together. So I'm like, look, shorty, you can hold it down for like 20 minutes. I got to go use the bathroom. She's like, why? Well, it's going to take you 20 minutes. I'm like, what you think? If I'm saying, give me 20 minutes, I'm going to use the bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, look, shorty, I'm about to go take a shit. All right, I'll be back. So I go take a shit. And I'm sitting there chilling, reading my little magazine. Next thing I know, she knocking on the door. <laughs> we, we just got robbed. I'm like, are you serious? Because she was young, so she would play a lot. So I'm like, yo, don't make me get up and you playing. And she just... <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'm coming. Here I come. So I pull my pants. I go outside and show up the registers open, bone dry. I'm like, yo, what, what the fuck happened? I just went in the bathroom. So the dude was sitting out in the parking lot waiting. As soon as I went in the bathroom, he counted. It was like, oh, he ain't coming. He's taking a shit. And just came straight in there, put the gun in shorty head, made a lay on the ground and bopped. So she quit. So then after that, they would have people sit in the parking lot and watch the store because I was in there by myself and I didn't know. They never told me. So my man come through. He'll come straight up in that bitch. So I'm like, yo, I'm going to go hit the bathroom, roll the blunt up real quick. 
And next thing I know, I come back out. White lady just standing there like, all right, I already know what you're doing. Where's that? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So next thing you know, the boys roll up. <laughs> oh, and I, I couldn't do nothing. I had this shit right in my pocket. Yo, boys went right in my pocket, found that bitch. I was like, damn. They're like, all right, you know, you know, you're going to have to go home now. I was like, yep. So we left out. It was like three in the morning. Went and got some more weed and just <laughs> <laughs> yo, I did that shit for like two weeks before I told anybody I lost my job, yo. What? Oh, so you was acting like you were still going to work? Yeah, I would leave the house at like 10 o'clock. <laughs> oh, wow. boys, we just smoke all night, chill, play, play video games, watch movies. Seven o'clock in the morning, I go home and shit. Wow. I did that shit for like two weeks. So I, I mean, I was looking for a job though, like you know what I'm saying. Yeah. That's crazy. That's wild. That's man. I knew you was a real nigga when I met you. So <laughs> like, because we we I think we all got some stories and some shit we done been through, and, and like experience and things that, that like shaped us as a person. And so like, so I, so I know, I know you got two daughters, right? Yep. And so when when did your so how did your what was it like when your second daughter came around? Um. It was way better. Like I actually prayed for that shit. Like I just oh, got like you wanted a second daughter. Yeah, yeah. I ain't necessarily want a daughter, but I just wanted to. I wanted to to do it right. Like, I, well, I didn't see my first daughter being born. You get what I'm saying? Like I missed that whole experience. You know what I'm saying? Even like I was so terrified. I was scared of her. Like even when I saw her for the first time, like I didn't hold her to my chest and was rocking her. Like I held her out and was just looking at her. Like. I was scared of her. Like, I was scared I was going to hurt her. You feel me? Mm. I didn't know shit about babies, like baby babies. I knew about little kids, but not babies, like newborns. You get me? So, so at the while, I was just like, I, f- I felt bad. Because, like, for the first three years of her life, yo, I don't think she really knew me. You feel me? I think mm. it's, like, after the fact for her to really understand who I was. Like, for a long period of time, she used to call me William. Not because she didn't respect me, but because... She was so used to not not necessarily being around me, but every time she was around me, she was around me and my mother simultaneously. So when my mother was like, William, can you go do this? So she would always just hear somebody calling me William. And she'd be like, hey, William. I'm like, yo, stop. Just call me daddy or dad ass something. Like, that's that's not what you call me. And she did that shit for a long time. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, yo, I want to work on this. But at the same time, I want to be able to just do it over again. And then that shit just came true. You know what I'm saying? And so how were you when you had your second daughter? 23. 23. Six years later. So what was Will? I know you were gonna say you was off the porch. So what was you was it was it like at 23? Like what was you like how was you living? I was I was I was I was coming down like mm. from from all right. So basically, how everybody knows me, it's a timeline. So when I met my baby mother in high school. I was turning down like this when I was coming into my own, like I was becoming like that dude, but on the low. Like I always I, I just that's when I started learning how to dress. So like chicks started paying me some mind. So that's when I started getting compliments, like, damn, yo, you you stay with the flavorful stuff on and blah 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 blah. So when I got her, I I, I took what I, I I was exposed to. Like one of my homeboys, I was running around in high school, he had a girl, yo, was faithful to her, like he ain't cheat on her, none of that shit. So it was like, damn, yo, they, they had a real good vibe. I was like, yo, I want that. My mother and father was together. I want that. My grandparents, they was together. I want that. So when I got her, I folk, I just, I locked in on it. Like, yo, we just going to be together. And Shorty cheated on me. And I was like, come on, bro. You really going to just cheat on me, yo? Like, you ain't, you ain't even tell me I was fucking up. You just went and did this shit. Like, you feel me? That shit set me off, yo. Because I felt like she played with me. And it was like. Fuck the world. You get what I'm saying? Like, when I say fuck the world, fuck everybody but myself. And at the same token, I fell into that trap of, as a black youth living in Baltimore, I wasn't supposed to live past 18 anyway. So it was like, once I got to 18, it was like, oh, I'm still alive. Like, I didn't plan for this shit. Fuck it, go wild. You know what I'm saying? And and it wasn't too many people around me that was going to tell me stop. They was either in it for the chaos or they was just too chicken shit to say something to me. Mm. So, so you're not, was you like, not close with your parents still? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was still living with him at that. Yeah, I've been living with him for a while. I was in and out, in and out, in and out. And for a long period of time, I lived here, but I just wasn't here. Like I literally, this was just home base. Like I would just come slide through, wash up, change my clothes, keep it moving. They would see me once a week. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, it wasn't no point of moving out because I really technically didn't live there. Mm. And then, you know, stayed with baby moms for a little bit, came back, moved out, came back, moved out, came back. Now I'm back again and stuck here for a minute, but it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Damn. What was your original question? Because I don't think I answered it. I don't even remember. But oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So from 18 to 20. Yeah, from 18 to like 22 ish. That four years was just wild and insane. Yo, like I was just I was off the. Yo, we wouldn't get along. Like, you wouldn't like me. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, fuck everything. Like, I didn't care because, one, I was mad because Shorty cheated on me, and I had this baby. I'm like, fuck, man. You know what I'm saying? Then I didn't think yeah, I was supposed was to Were y'all not together no more? No. Nah. nah. Gotcha. She got, it's, it's crazy because she got pregnant after she cheated on me. <laughs> it's, it's, that's my daughter. You know what I'm saying? But it was just like, fuck it, I'm getting pussy. You know what I'm saying? And it was like I was getting greedy. I I didn't care. Like, and and it's 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 crazy because at that point in my life, well, I'm I'm not gonna say 23. I'm gonna say about 25 ish. That's when I really started calming down. But my life was so easier when I didn't give a fuck. And it was just like if I wanted it, I went and took that shit. Fuck how you feel. I don't care. It didn't matter where I was, what was going on, because I had a nice little clique of homeboys that didn't care either. And like I said, I was always smart. So mm -hmm. that attracted people. And then my one homeboy, he was like, I, I ain't gonna say he was the muscle, but he played the muscle. So it was like, I always sat down and say, yo, what y'all wanna do? Oh, y'all wanna break in the house? All right, what, what the house that would it look like? All right, this is what we're gonna do. Boom, you go here, I go there, we're gonna do this. We're gonna wait 10 minutes and we're gonna boom, boom, boom. I, I always had the plan because I was always smart. I could always figure shit out. So everybody kind of, you know, gravitated towards that. You know what I'm saying? And then it was just that carefree attitude of whatever you want to do, let's just do it. Don't think about it. Let's just do it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that 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 four to six year period of my life was just crazy, yo. Crazy. Like, I wouldn't be in this podcast club with you. You'd have been kicked me out because I'd have been trying to fuck every chick we got in, up in here. And I'd have been going hard doing it. And I'd have been back on the, on the, on the chat like it ain't never happened. They'd have hitting you like, yo, this dude will got to go. Like, <laughs> gotta go. You know what I'm saying? Yo, that's real. That's so real. So, like, I'm always curious to hear, like, how people started to turn their life around. Because cause even, even for myself, you know, I had a little period where I was kind of, I'm not going to say I was breaking in people's houses and shit like that. But I was, you know, doing things that I probably shouldn't have been doing. But so what made you want to start to live your life differently? Um getting actually getting that prayer answered you know what i'm saying it was like yo i, I want i want change because so many people I, that i respected wanted me to change you get what i'm saying like so many people that i held in high regards was looking at me like yo you wilding out here yo you, you need change bro so it was like i prayed to get that second chance at fatherhood i got it but i was still going crazy and it was like yo and then like what really really well i, I kept getting locked up and then it was like the last time I got locked up, it was like, all right, bro, this ain't, you don't want this show. This life ain't for you. You ain't about this life. Like being in that fucking cement and metal and, and fucking plexiglass that you can't barely see through. Like I can't even see outside. I like outside. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. yo, you, you about to lose that. So I'm like, all right, bro, let me, let me calm the fuck down. And, and shout out to my best friend, yo. Dana, you know who you is, shorty. Yo, she told me some shit one day. That shit fucked me up. She was like, yo, yo, you know what your problem is, yo? And she was like, and that's the bullshit about it. I'm like, what's up, yo? What you talking about? Yo? So she like, yo, you got like this, this, this superpower. And I'm like, superpower? What you talking about? Yo, you, all right, come on, yo, you, you tripping. So she's like, nah, yo, you got like superpower that when you, when you think about something and you turn on that tunnel vision, yo, it ain't shit that can stop you till you get to the other side of that tunnel. But you can only turn it on for negative shit. I was like, damn. All right, okay. All right. I mean, I brushed, I, I literally brushed it off. But that night, yo, I just sat there, was like tunnel vision. And then I just thought about certain shit I did where somebody pissed me off. And 
whatever I wanted to do, I was on it until it got done. I didn't give a fuck if it took 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 weeks. I was locked in like the opportunity presents itself. I'm executing. So I was like, well, if I can do it for a negative reason, then why can't I do it for a positive? You know what I'm saying? So once, once she told me that that was my superpower, I was like, all right, well, let me figure this shit out. Let me, let me see if I can switch, flip that switch and, and, and put it into to good use. You know what I'm saying? So that was like, that was another tipping point. I'm trying to think what else. So it was like getting locked up. My second chance in fatherhood. Shorty telling me my superpower. And that, was, that was pretty much about it. And just, just being tired, yo. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And just being anxiety and mad all the time. Like, I got tired of being mad. Like, I was like, if anybody I ever met could have been the hawk, it would have been me. And I would have been the hawk all the time. I would have always been green. I would have never been Bruce Banner. Maybe for, like, twice a week, a couple minutes a day or something. But I would have always been green. I just got tired of that shit. I should. I used yeah. to wake up with headaches and shit. Like that shit was bad, yo. Man. So, like, I could definitely relate to that because it's like, at one point, well, not necessarily with the anger, but mine really turned to sadness because for me, like, in my 20s, like, going through college and being the college boy and being, like, I was the first in my family to graduate high school, period. Oh, so. Okay when I went to college, it was like, like I, like my first semester, a blur, a drunken blur the whole time. I was like, and when I was in college, that song, Asher, uh, Asher Roth, I love college. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. literally lived that life every single day. Like that was it. If it wasn't about going to a party, if it wasn't about getting a bottle because the liquor store up the street wasn't card. And so we, and I had a whip. You know what I'm saying? I was actually, because my grandma actually kicked me out. So I had moved in. I was staying with some white people right before I went to college. So when I moved into my dorm, in my mind, it wasn't like, yo, I'm moving into a dorm. It was like, yo, I'm moving to my first crib. Like, right, right, right. I'm going to kick it. Like, I had my little job. I had a car. So it was my first time being independent. But at the same time, I never really believed that I could be successful at college and I can actually make that shit work. And so at the right. end of the first semester, them grades came out i'll never forget sitting at that computer and pulling up and it was like 3.55 and i was like the fuck like i think i must have been high or something at the time like is this right i remember like refreshing the screen like did i really do that shit and it was like but it was at that point i really realized like yo i could really make something of myself like i'm in college i had a scholarship you know what i'm saying i had a job you know what i'm saying so i had a pretty solid foundation for the most part you know what i'm saying but I think I went into overdrive and yeah. trying to go too hard. I right. started like doing all these different organizations. I, I picked up another job to get more money and stuff like that. And so with that came the way people started to view me change. Oh, okay. you know and specifically like with my family, you know, they was like, um, oh, you a college boy now, not necessarily in a negative way, but because I was like put on this pedestal, you know, people think of college like college is the one way to be successful. Right, you know? right, right. Really, now looking back, ain't no way I would be a hundred thousand plus in debt from college. Knowing what I know now, I'd have started something like the Black Podcast Club ten years ago. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. So, trying to do everything and trying to be everything for everybody damn near took me out. Like I think one of the first times that I really think I really just spazzed out was I got into a car accident my my senior year of uh high school i mean not high school of college and i, and I know I, I was i was high as shit that day but like and now looking back i know it was anxiety like i had like an anxiety disorder or something going on back then well i know i still have anxiety now but it was really bad then i just wasn't really managing it properly and after the accident i got locked into a psych ward for like five days damn because that's just literally how bad i just spazzed out like i remember i remember getting in my car and just drop like I was like I got to get to my grandma crib because like that's just how gone I was and my grandma was one of them people that just being in her presence would just calm me down. Okay. Like no matter what I was going through, no matter what, like just being that just going to her house like this, she always kept it like I'm, I'm talking about spotless. Like right. come in, take your shoes off, type type right. crib. You know what I'm saying? Just right. grandma crib. And for some reason, all I remember was driving and. I don't really remember what happened next. I know I'm just, and I had a Jeep. I just smacked the, uh, like went under a Vidot 
and like it had the two walls and I smacked the Vidoc, bro. And I remember when I got out the car, somehow I ended up, it was like a little bar, like up on the hill. Like I remember being in there and I remember being in the bathroom on the floor for whatever fucking reason I was on the floor. And I, Next thing I know, the police is like snatching my ass up. Like, get the fuck up, dude. What the fuck wrong with you? Da, 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 da. Like, Dang. literally, like going off of me. And I'm like, and so that's when I started to spaz. Like, I just spaz the fuck out. And like, long story short, that was the first time I really realized that like I, I had mental health challenges. Like, I was really like not right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was weird because when I got out of the hospital, like my family was like, this nigga crazy. We ain't fucking with you. <laughs> right. Literally. Like I got the hospital, like long story short, I ain't gonna put it all out there, but my fam, my mom did like three days later, my sister, she, she come to the crib. She come knock on my door. Like I'm finna leave. I'm going back to Memphis with mom. Woo woo woo. And I come out her room packed up and everything. And longer story short, I was also just, I had a lot of money at that time. So money wasn't an issue. I'm like, but you know, I need you right now. You the only one with a car, like rent due like next week. Like what the fuck type shit. So yeah. it really fucked with me. And I really like kind of lost myself in that moment. And I remember I had like, I had this savings account that I had been, when I was getting refund checks, I would put like three, 4,000 in every time, not even touch it. But when I say I cashed that motherfucker out, Went to St. Louis, got a room at the Four Seasons for like a weekend and just went nuts. And it <laughs> felt like from that point forward, like being like completely deserted by my family and shit. And just the way people even that I was going to college with started to look at me because motherfuckers really knew what happened. But to this day, motherfuckers don't really know, know what happened and what was right. really going on. Yeah. But I also started like really that was my first time really seeking counseling and therapy and shit. And it was like, maybe you might want to try some medications. Um, and so I tried medications because it wasn't nothing to pop a pill every now and then anyway. So, right, right. But when I started to do that, like, the uh, one thing that I can say that helped me through that process that was, like, the constant, stable thing in my life was my girl at the time. Okay. Like, I can remember, like, waking up, she was like, do you take your medication? Make sure you take that shit. You know, once you start, you can't stop. You know what I'm saying? And But I eventually got to the point to where I was like a zombie. I didn't feel nothing like no happy, no sad. It was just, and I was like, I hate this shit. Like I can't right. take it. And so I stopped taking the meds, stopped going to therapy. I'm still smoking, drinking, doing other shit, trying to suppress and fight the fact that nigga, you just damn near killed yourself in a car accident. Thank God I walked out without a scratch on me. Right. And now you feel just, I just felt lost. I felt like I didn't know myself. I feel like I didn't know nobody. I felt like just everything around me was weird. And I started going through shit financially because when I cashed out that savings account, I went and bought a car. But of course, I didn't pay cash. My dumb ass was paying a car note. I had a Lexus, 2000, <laughs> I had a 2008 ES350. And this is like, what was this, 2012, 2013? So that bitch was... Okay. I was shitting on motherfuckers for right, real. Right, right, TVs right. in that bitch. It was royal blue. Like I was really flexing. But bro, they that was some of them some of the darkest times of my life. And my car actually, long story short, it ended up like I fall, fell behind on the payments. And I literally gave it back to the bank. I was like, yo, y'all come take this bitch. I don't even. And when I did that, I had also for some reason applied for grad school down in Florida. Oh shit because I was in a teacher ed program. And so the only reason why I was still continuing school was to finish my teaching certification. My degree was done. Okay. So that summer of my senior year, I'm supposed to start student teaching in the fall. Like it was like, that was the, being a teacher was like the one thing that I was like, I know I'm gonna be able to do this shit right. Like I was already working in district. I mean, superintendent knew me by my first name. Like, oh, them niggas was okay. waiting on me to graduate. Like, yeah, what school you want to go to? Like, I was plugged in. Long story short, and I can, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I hope she hear them racist people in that teacher ed program literally would not let me student teach. Mind you, everything's lined up and ready. There was a, a certain credit requirement that they had. 
like for a certain class that a humanities course that I had to take. It counted for my degree, but the teacher ed department wouldn't accept it. Why? Because I studied abroad. I studied abroad and I went to England my um, beginning of my junior year. And so when I went to England, that's, that's a whole other story. We have to do a part two for that one. <laughs> whole another story. Um, they wouldn't count those credits. I'm like, if the credit counts for my degree, like, why won't y'all let it count for my certification? It was like, well, the certification says you have this. I'm like, it didn't make sense. I literally, this is literally how this day happened. I woke up. So I remember the emails. I'm like, this bitch got me fucked up. I know this. I know everybody. Like, I'm the, I'm that dude in college. Like, I was the exact opposite in high school. Like, I ran that campus. Yeah. I go to her office. She literally, I'm like, so there's no way you can make an exception about this. Like, I'm literally about student teach. You realize that this is going to not only fuck me financially, because like she didn't know that, but I knew that I'm already struggling to pay my rent. But if I if I have to take a semester off to take one class financial aid, not going to cover that because you have to take a certain number of classes in order to even qualify for the financial aid. Yeah. When she told me no. I walked over to the admissions office and I'm explaining to them what's going on. She was like the admissions lady was like. She's the one who runs the department. They make the policies. They can make an exception for you. Go over there and try and get in get in um uh exception made i walked back to this lady's office tell her what the lady at the mission's office said she looked at me and she said i'm sorry i can't do that the state this is what it requires this is the way the program's set up woo, woo, woo. i'm just like so i go back to admissions and i tell them i'm like what would happen if i dropped out of this program right now she was like well your degree's done we would confer your degree and you'd be done with college I literally went outside. I said, give me a second. Went outside, got in my car, called FIU. I was like, I got accepted. And I was actually passed. You know, when I when I got accepted into grad school, I had to sign the acceptance letter and showing that I was coming. And it was like a deadline on it. I literally on the phone with FIU in my admissions parking lot. Like, yo, um, I'm past the admissions deadline or whatever from the letter. But I've been admitted. Like, is there a way that I could still get into the university? Woo woo. Like, that's just like I was. And now I'm also looking back knowing that it was anxiety, really. It was, yeah. it was an anxiety fueled decision. Right. Bro, when that lady said, oh, yeah, you could just um, I'll send you another one. You could just, I was like, can I get into housing, too? She was like, absolutely. <laughs> we're building a brand new um, dorm on campus. I said, say less. I'm there. Hung with the phone. Went in missions office. Like, yeah, I'm out. Cash in my degree. Literally went home that this is six weeks before I'm supposed to move to Miami. Oh, shit. I was like, everything gone. So the couches, shoes, <laughs> stuff, all of that shit. Told my, and the, my leaving my girl, that was probably, that's probably one of the things that I say that I regret because had I not have left, I would probably be a father by now. I'd probably been married by now. Uh, my whole life would be completely different. I wouldn't have been in the Black Podcast Club. That's for fucking sure. I'd have probably still tried to figure out some shit with teaching and stuff like that, but it was a decision that I eventually started to really play out as the days and weeks went on. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking to my mentors and one of my mentors was like, shit, go. If I go to Miami and I could have me a place to stay and I'm in school, I'm out. I go. And so I went to Miami, went to grad school. And so that's why, like, when you saying how, you know, your situation was, you know, fucked up, you was in the streets or whatever, like I thought by being in college and doing the right thing was going to save me from certain shit. But I quickly realized, especially when I got to Miami, that just because you in college, the world society don't really give a fuck about you. You're still a black man at the end of the day. Nigga, I got a college degree. I went to college. I got my little AA. That shit was a slap in the fucking face. Wasted two fucking years of my life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That shit ain't paying out for shit. Yeah. I mean, I bullshitted a little bit because I realized I can't do, uh, I can't have a desk job. I can't do it. Like I have to be driving, moving, seeing different shit all the time. Like, I just can't sit still that fucking long. I would go crazy. Hmm. Yeah, I, that's a whole other conversation. Because now I want to get to like, so fast forward to where you at now. Like, how'd you eventually get into podcasting? So it it's it's a multi layered story. <laughs> so basically, the gist of it was like. I mean, I've, I've known about uh, podcasting for a while. I just never 
had the thought of doing it myself. So I used to listen to like Combat Jack, you know what I'm saying? And Charlemagne got his, I was on his, Joe Button. And a couple of them was spread around here and there. I'd look into not worried about it no more. So then I'm like, man, shit, I could do this. I could sit around and just talk shit. I, I think I got a good enough personality. I got experiences in life. I could do this. Yeah. And so then I bumped into my homegirl. Well, actually, me and her, she grew up in my neighborhood. She moved away. And mm-hmm. then I bumped into her on one of the little date naps and shit. <laughs> it was it was <laughs> crazy because she actually hit me up. And at the time, I wasn't using the app. My best friend was doing it for me because she was like, I'm going to find you a girl, yo. So she created a profile. She like, sent me some pictures. She put a little description in there. So Shorty hit me up like, yo, what's up with you? So we exchanged phone numbers. We get the text and she like, y'all want to hear your voice. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, well, fuck it. I ain't doing nothing. Call me. So I'm walking to the store. You know how like I normally do. I'm walking to the store to get a black and mild. So she called me. We get to talking. She like, where you live at? I'm like, I'm over west. She like, over west where? I hear all the noise in the back. I'm like, yeah, I'm just walking from Potter Grove. She's like, Potter Grove? What's your name again? <laughs> so she, so when I was little, I was Baby Bill. That was my nickname. And then when I got a little older, it was just Bill. But by the time I got to high school, I'm like, all right, I got to evolve. And now I was Will. And then when I graduated, I was William. So that's why it's a handsome guy named William. You know what I'm saying? So when we got to talking, she like, she she just like out of the blue, like, yeah, I want to do a podcast. I'm like, well, fuck it. Let's do it together. So then we got, we then we was like, yo, we're going to need some more help. So I was like, let's go call my, well, he's actually my brother's best friend, but now that I'm of age, I can consider him my best friend because, you know, when you're a kid, they, yo, you, you got to take your little brother somewhere. Yeah, but yeah. It was like, I hang out with him more than my brother hang out with him. So I'm like, yo, we trying to get this podcast together. What's up, yo? So we would we would go and get like dinner and sit down and plan shit. We all breaking our pads. We making plans like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have four segments. We're going to talk about this. And like we had a, a, a mean ass structure to it. So I'm like, Okay, we got the plan. Um, you know, we need equipment. So they like, so they just looked at me like, nigga, you don't want to know about this shit. I'm we following your leads. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be one of them type of situations. All right, cool. I did all the research, I did everything. I looked up mics, equipment, cameras, everything. I made a list. I said, all right, here goes the list. So me, I'm very analytical. I mean, that should have, I like the conversation we had last night about the honey jack shit. Like that should have showed you about shit. So, so just just to go back in time, and and now that I'm older, I understood what was happening. So I guess to a certain extent, I suffer from anxiety. So I would always be scared to just like go to sleep because I thought I was gonna be missing something. So I would literally just sit in the bed for like four hours a night, just laying there thinking about shit. And then I was like, all right, yo, like, I got to go to sleep. So I would just try to turn my brain off. Or I would just overthink some shit. And then I would just fall asleep from just thinking too much. So it that was like kind of just instilled in me from young, just to overthink every fucking thing. So as I'm sitting back and I'm doing research, I'm like, oh, shit, they got this roadcaster thing about to come out. I think I'm going to grab that. And then I'm looking into it and like, oh, shit, you can make it mobile? I'm like, so I can do this shit anywhere? Oh, so a whole nother set of gears started churning so i'm like hold up i could take this shit anywhere so that means i i i got this so i went to them was like all right look we're gonna break it up into threes so they're like no nah, we just gonna put all the money in the pot and we just gonna buy everything one at a time one at a time as we get the money up i'm like nah that ain't gonna work for the simple fact that as soon as somebody miss a payment everything on hold so i'm like all right yo look i'm gonna get the roadcaster Y'all, one of y'all get the mics, the cords, and the other one get the backdrop, get the cameras, and we're going to do it like that. So I got the roadcaster. Boom, that shit came. I'm like, all right, yo, y'all going to make some moves? All right, yeah, I get paid next week. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I said, all right. I get my mic, the mic you see right now. I, I went and brought this. I got the little stand for it. Ordered all that shit. I'm like, yo, y'all y'all get y'all mics yet or the cameras? What's up? Oh, man, um. Had some shit happen in my car and this, that, and the third. I said, all right, life happening. I got you. I got you. I went and ordered the mics. 
I'm not telling them shit. I'm just buying. I'm just buying shit every time I get a couple of dollars. Oh yeah, but I, I had it all budgeted out. I had the whole plan, the list, the price, everything. I'm looking around. The next thing you know, they're like, "Well, why don't we don't try this? It's cheaper." I say, "Yo, I did the research. I specifically said get this because of the reviews. I rather pay an extra ten dollars for something I know that's gonna fucking last than try to save that, and then we gotta replace it two weeks later." You know what I'm saying? Like, I've never been scared to spend money. Like, I'm smart with it. I'm a little stingy. My, my, my daughter will tell you, like, daddy don't play with money. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yo, I, I specifically set out to get all this shit for a specific reason. So long story short, or well, long story less long, I brought all the equipment. <laughs> like, oh, I brought everything, except for the camera. My man did come through. No, my nephew stepped up. I was talking to him because... Once I found out what the rollcaster could actually do, and I was like, look, yo, I'm going to need your help. He's like, what's up, Uncle Will? What you, what you need? I'm like, yo, I want to get this rollcaster, and we're going to be doing podcasts. Like, however many people want to do it, fuck it. We're just going to do it together. You know what I'm saying? As long as I'm a part of it, I, I'm going to help out. And so basically, I already, I already had that community mindset. Like, yo, if I can just get a couple people together do different podcasts, we all work together. We can just build a big ass audience together like these niggas doing on goddamn Instagram with the comedy. Like, yo, you follow one dude, you see another dude in this joint. He got his own thing popping, but they always working together. So I'm like, yo, we can do that with podcasting. I mean, ain't necessarily shape up that way. So anyway, I get all the equipment. So we set up and do a podcast. We do we do, we do like a half an hour. You know what I'm saying? It was it was it was a little rough. You know what I mean? I I got the footage. I got it recorded and everything. Got it on camera. I got the audio. I'm like, I'm never putting this shit out. I look, <laughs> I look super goofy. You know what I'm saying? Like, anybody nervous? People banging on the table. Like, I would hate to. I would hate to edit that shit. I'm be real with you. So, in the process of all that, I sat him down. I was like, look, yo, check this out. We're gonna do this podcast. Let's use this shit as a commercial. Like, I don't give a fuck what you trying to sell. It could be a bag of dirt. It could be bobby pins, shoes. I don't care what it is. Let's use the podcast to sell that shit. So sit down and figure out what kind of hustle you want to get up because we're going to have a fucking camera in our face and microphones. People going to hear us somehow, some way. I mean, them two, they got big Facebook followings. You know what I'm saying? My homeboy, my brother, best friend, like, yo, his, his Facebook, he can just make a stupid ass post like is all girls titties lopsided and he'll get a hundred fucking comments within like an hour and a half. So I'm like, yo, if we go do a podcast, we need to do it with him. Like his, his Facebook engagement is fucking crazy. Yo, it's wild. And he just be talking bullshit. He don't be political. None of that shit. So I'm like, yo, so get your hustle together. And I was like, yo, if y'all want to do separate podcasts, Let's just do that too. So we could do the podcast together. And then, you know, another day of the week, you can do your separate thing. So everybody like, all right, that's cool. That's cool. So shorty like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get that together. I'm going to plan it and this, that, and the third. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I sat down thinking like, all right, what haven't I seen done yet? And I just mm. thought about it like for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then just one day it just came out the blue was like, interviewing black couples. I haven't seen that done. <laughs> and I thought about it. And before I told anybody, I actually sat there and thought about it. was like, yo, thinking about it, that shit could work. Because TV, film, media, we underrepresented. A, a little, God damn, what's that word? Yo? Up, under, under, underrepresented. Thank you. Or under, I don't even know if I said this shit right. Yeah, you did. You did. You did. No, that, that's, not, that's not dwell on it. Keep it moving. Uh, so I'm like, yo. Growing up, I used to watch the Cosby's. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, how many shows we had back then? We had the Cosby's, Family Matters. You know what I'm saying? Like, we saw the Black family on TV. Yeah. Fast forward to the day, the present time. What we got? Like, what, Blackish? What Housewives. That, what, what, what you say? Housewives. That's nah. shit. Now I'm just saying, like, like I'm just saying, like, what do we have that's that's yeah. representative of the black family? Oh uh, yeah, in the household. Like, we yeah. literally just got blackish. And if it's something else, 
please let me know because I don't know. I don't watch TV that often either, but I don't hear nobody talking about this shit. So I'm like, yo, yeah, I, I think I could really do something with this. You know what I'm saying? So me and my best friend, we sat down, we planned it. And we just sat down and just like, all right, what could we ask? We can ask this, we can ask that, ask this, ask this. And like, we came up with like 60 questions. And I'm just looking at the questions like, well, let me see if I can put this in an order that helped the conversation flow. So we did that. And I'm just looking at it like, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm visioning it in my mind playing out like, if I ask this, this could be the answer, this could be the answer. I'm like, yo, at the end of the day, yo, we can really help people with this. And she's like, yo, what you mean? I'm like, yo, think about it. If I ask them about money problems and they say, all right, well, yeah, when we got together, this was the problem, blah, 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 blah. All right, well, how did you fix it? All right, well, we did this and this, da, 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 da. I'm like, well, shit, yo. We humans. We all go through the same shit. I don't give a fuck where you at, how you was raised. Like, our problems are virtually all the fucking same. So it's like, yo, if, if I can expose a problem in this relationship in Baltimore, somebody in Minnesota can see it and be like, yo, we, we going through that now. Like, we having them same problems. But what did they do to fix that? Let's listen. Oh, that's what they did? Uh, let's try that, babe. Let's see if we can work this out. Hmm. And so that it was just like, yeah, yo, you can really help people with this. Like, it ain't, I mean, of course, you know, naturally going into it, it's self-serving. Like, yeah, how can I blow up doing this shit? But then when I actually started putting it together and and and, and outlining everything, like, y'all can really help people. And then at the same token, I had to look at my daughters like, because this is when I found out she, they, she was about to move in with her boyfriend and shit, which I don't have a problem with. I know the nigga, so I'm like, all right, cool. I know what he looked like. As long as I know what this nigga looked like in case I got to go kill this motherfucker, I'm good. That's all I need to know. I just need to know what he looked like. You know what I'm saying? Can I, I, I readily identify him from a distance in case I got to go kill this nigga because he didn't did something to my daughters. That's all I need. I don't need to have a relationship with him. I don't need to talk to him. Just as long as I can spot him out and I can describe him to my homeboys and my goons, I'm good. So I'm like, well, damn, she over there in a decent relationship. I'm over here single just doing whatever. So at the same token, I looked at it as, well, she's showing them how to, with to be in a relationship, but I'm not giving them that, the man's perspective. Like they not seeing it from their father. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh shit. I'm out, I'm already planning on going out here looking at black couples. So now I can put some exposure into their life until I can do it directly. You get what I'm saying? So it's like, like I just, I, I just start seeing so many layers to doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, it's it's more positives than anything. So at, at the end of the day, it ain't even about me anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I really think about this shit as in who can I help and what can I show my daughters? You know what I'm saying? That's real. That's lit. That's lit. I Like, I've heard you tell the story about, like, how you came up with the plan for your podcast, but I don't think I've ever heard it in detail like that before. Right. Like all the all the backstory from like even like how you got the mics and all that. Cause I remember you telling me you bought all the equipment, but like now hearing the full story, it's like it brings it a, a full different perspective. You know what I'm saying? Cause me, like I, I might have told you this already, but I just opened up my laptop one day and was like, "Yeah, um, diary mad black man," and just ran with it. I've always been the type type of dude that was like, I'm not gonna say I'm not a planner. But it's like once I have an idea, like it'd be big as shit. And I just be like, and I just start to do it. And a lot of times it's kind of fucked me up in a lot of ways because I would start to do shit and I would forget that it's certain shit that's got to be done, certain ways I got to move and operate, certain steps I got to take. You know what I'm saying? I've always been kind of just a, a go getter. And so that's one of the reasons why, why, like I told you, like I appreciate about you because you always come with that alternative perspective. It's like, hold on now. You think about this? Hold up. What about this? So. I fucks with it, but um, but we're gonna do a part two, Will. <laughs> I do a part two because I, I got more shit, and we didn't hit that hour mark. And my shit, I, I like I keep it under an hour. You know what I'm saying? So um, man, plug yourself. Tell them where to find your podcast, where they can listen to it, and um, y'all tune in for part two. But in the meantime, uh, go follow uh Will, listen to his stuff, and go ahead and tell them because I you know I'm gonna fuck it up. Yo, handsome guy named William on IG, uh, William Bailey on Facebook. Black Love Renaissance Podcast. I'm on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Pandora ain't fucking with me. I don't know why not. Tune in Alexa. Um, what is it? Overcast, Stitcher. Uh, I don't know. All them little joints. I'm on there. It's like 14 of them. But you know what I'm saying? You Google it, you can find it. 
you you get the link and you'll see all of them. I don't know. I I should learn these. I should learn. Yeah. These. I say Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. That's it. You don't like iHeart? I mean, yeah, I got. No, I'm not on iHeart yet. I it's on my to do list, but my to do list like four pages long now. So it's like I can only do so much, and it's like. 86 like it's not like 86 87 of my audience listens on apple Podcasts, so it's like i ain't really i'm I'm not really pressed about listeners and and listenership right now that's really not my focus i'm on you already know what i am the black podcast club i'm trying to get that shit off so that way i can really then start to focus on transitioning to different outlets and different mediums and different shit like that but like I said, y'all, um, definitely um, stay tuned for the part two uh, with handsome guy named Will on um, the Black Podcast Club. So much more is coming in store. Thank y'all for listening to another great episode of Diary of a Mad Black Man. Y'all know me. Y'all know how I do. Until the next diary entry, check y'all later. <laughs>